Hey, Cap City, I'm Pastor Aaron. Thanks for continuing to stand. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that, <laughs> coupled with Kyle's confession time. Uh, but we are going to be in Titus 2, 11 through 13 this morning, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to read that first before we get started. And it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in a godly manner in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. You may be seated, and may God bless the reading of His Word. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit of a spoiler person, like uh, movies, storylines, TVs, I have to be, TV shows, I have to be really careful not to spoil them. Uh, my wife's youngest brother called this to my attention, has called this to my attention a couple of times. Even right now, I'm scared I'm going to bring up something and spoil it for you. Uh, but I think part of that spoiler Spoiler, and not to make excuses at all. That's, I don't want to be rude and spoiling storylines or anything like that. See, I'm still nervous I'm going to bring up a show or something, and I'm going to spoil it for you. So I have to be real careful. But it's not to make an excuse. I think part of it is, part of it is, is liking to know the end so that if it's bad, like liking to know the end of a story so that if it's bad, I can prepare for it. If it's good, and this can be a storyline or it can be, life's story, right? Or a situation or a circumstance. If it's going to be good, I like to feel like I have an advantage. I like to be confident in the fact that, you know, that, okay, this is going to turn out well. There was one time in uh, my wife Allison and I, in my life, that we kind of went through a hard time when I was 26 years old. Some of you in here know this story, but when I was 26 years old, almost 27, I uh, found out I had cancer. And that diagnosis was really quick, sudden, surprising, and uh, to the point where when we found out on a Wednesday, I think it was, we had to turn around and on a Monday, we had to go and I had to go and have surgery to remove the cancer and then begin there shortly after healing from that, begin 20 rounds of radiation. And uh, in the percentage with the kind of cancer I had, you know, we were kind of, okay, God, we know that. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through trials. And so after it was all over with, you know, we were already starting to think, Allison and I had been married for about five years, and we were already starting to think about kids and already starting to think about, okay, what's the next chapter in our lives? And so this kind of threw a wrench in all of that. 98% um, cure rate on this thing, or at least forcing it into remission. When you weren't supposed to see anything else about it, but about 13 months later, within that first year, it can show back up, and it did in my lymphatic system, and then I had to go through another series, uh, some rounds of chemotherapy, and that time, that time, you're kind of like, okay, God, not cool. <laughs> Why are we having to go through this? I really need to know how this story shakes out. You know, is this, this going to be a life-altering thing? It already altered our life, but is this going to be just kind of par for the course for my life? Um, and the big question was, what about kids? You know, we were just about to start having kids, and so 
we gave, started trying to give God options. <laughs> I'm sure you don't do that in your lives at all. We started trying to give God options. So we went to an adoption class to start to kind of learn about that option and prepare ourselves. So that would have been awesome. Uh, we also, at the same time, because we just, let's give God as many options as we can give him, because we're still trying to control the situation. You don't know. You're doing the best you can. We did uh, start doing fertility treatments. And door after door kept shutting and closing. This was all post-cancer, all post-chemo. We're just wondering how this story r- turns out, especially with having kids. Doors kept closing, and Allison and I prayed about it and decided, hey, let's just take a month and just pray through this thing and just quit trying to get, get, give God options, and let's just let him do his thing. And about a month later, we naturally got pregnant with our firstborn who is now 13, sitting over there. Her name's Laurel. And uh, three years later, you just, ha- you just don't know, but three years later, we were able to have our second Daphne, and she's back in kids' ministry. She's nine now. And so to know, like, spoiler alert, that was the story, you know, just to know how that story, particularly for childbearing and, and having kids, like, how is that story going to unfold? And we got to kind of... If I had known that from the beginning, I would have felt like I had this hope. I would have felt, and there were some dark days. And I know that doesn't compare to a lot of different struggles even within this room. But when you don't know how it ends, you don't have any hope a lot of times. You're preparing for the worst. But sometimes when you do know how it ends, even if it's way off in the distance, you can have hope. You You can keep going. You can feel like you have an advantage. You can... You can, you can call it blessed. And that's where we're going to be this morning. We've taken two weeks off from the Exodus series. Uh, kind of in, in the respect, at the top of your notes, I kind of gave you guys some simple notes this morning. Um, but in, in these notes, you can kind of see for the job ahead, for the work ahead at the top. And in, the, in Blessed Hope, when we're going to look at kind of our main point this morning is this. The grace of God gives us blessed hope. Now, blessed hope is blessed, especially when it's positive. But even through the negative and even through the trials, our blessed hope, and we'll see this in Titus 2, 11 through 13, our blessed hope that we look forward to is the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Why? The blessed hope of the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ is blessed because we can look forward to knowing that He's coming back and He wins. As much as we see everything chaotic out in the world right now and in history and and how it's played out even over the 20th century and the 21st century, we know what the end of the story is. We can have an advantage. We can have hope. We can rest in who Jesus is and the fact that God's got this. And as I was thinking about this this week and studying, I was looking at Titus 2, 11, 12, and 13, and wondering how God gives us, the grace of God gives us blessed hope. And there's three ways that I wanted to share with you this morning. They're all ours. It's very Southern Baptist of me. <laughs> I've alliterated them to be all ours. But it's not, it wasn't me. I have this great commentary uh, by Warren Wearsby, and he outlines certain chapters, and he did these three R's, so I can't take credit for them at all. But the first R is redeeming us. The grace of God gives us blessed hope by redeeming us. And this is huge. 
Because this, this has to do with a lot of, in the past, what Jesus has done. What God's done through sending His Son, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins, and rising again so that we can know that He beat sin. He sacrificed Himself for our benefit, for our salvation, redeeming us. Let's see, Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, the grace of God being Jesus Christ in flesh, incarnate, on this earth, He walked. He was an actual historical figure. Proven by not just Christian sources through history, but through non-Christian sources and secular sources and history takers from way back when. The grace of God, Jesus Christ, and then when Jesus ascended, we got the Holy Spirit come at Pentecost. Bringing salvation for all people. So the grace of God was unto salvation. This is huge, because I think a lot of times we think of, oh, well... You know, that's, that's the whole salvation story. And, and uh, it's, we, we kind of lose track of the fact that the glorious grace of who God is was made manifest in Jesus Christ. That saving grace was acceptable, accessible excuse me, for all people. You really think about this? Is it going to be effective for all people? No, because not everyone is going to accept Christ throughout history. We've already seen that. But it's been made accessible through the work of Jesus Christ. And so we can see that for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. When we look at Jesus in His historical life, and we also look at the Spirit and how the Spirit works in believers, how does that grace do the teaching in our lives? I just want to ask you that question. In your own life, personally, believers in here, how does the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, do the teaching in your life on a daily basis? It, you can only answer that question. You can only answer, how have I made progress? Since I accepted Christ, how have I made progress through the timeline of my life? And you ask that question knowing, though, that that grace does teach us to be more like Christ. So even though we don't exist where, on a, in a world, in a part of history where Jesus walks the earth in actual physical flesh, besides you know, the church, we can still be a disciple of His, a follower of His, because that grace of God teaches us that grace that is the Holy Spirit. So when we see that, I think about discipling, discipleship. I'm the discipleship pastor here, by the way. And um, it's been a question since I arrived here in Topeka to be a part of Cap City Church. That's been my biggest question. What does a disciple look like at Cap City Church, in general, in Christendom, in Christianity, what does a disciple look like? But specifically, my job here is, what does that look like coming out of the pipe? Like, what does that look like for you as you try to follow Christ? For me, what does a disciple look like? So that moves us to our next point. God gives us, the grace of God gives us blessed hope by redeeming us, and secondly, by reforming us. So redeeming was what God had done in the past, right? As we move towards reformation, it's what God is doing in us through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, in the present. Titus 2.12 says this, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In the present age. I did not give you places to fill this in. You'll see this up on the screen in a minute. What I want you to do on your worksheet, if you're writing your notes in, I wanted to leave this open to, for you to go back up to the scripture or go right there at that point 
and just underline self-controlled, upright, and godly. Because we're going to unpack that a little bit. Church, I want you to know that this is kind of where, when Pastor Tim was and, and the elders were kind of thinking about what does, what does Cap City put, what's its output? What, what comes out of Cap City as a church? He zoned in on this, and, and we've been working on it for months now, just kind of trying to decide what a disciple looks like. Those disciples should be living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I wrote this. When we look biblically at what we are looking for in a follower of Christ at Cap City, we are looking for a sincere worshiper who is devoted to know God through His Word, who, through loving their neighbor, seeks to multiply the knowledge of the good news. Church, when we think about our world right now, when we think about how, think about even the children and the teenagers that were growing up in this society. And I'm not necessarily talking about here. But in our society, we've, we've kind of, we've appealed to children's minds. We've also appealed to their, I would say, I'm pointing to the stomach, their appetites. Not necessarily food, but you know what I'm saying. And somehow, at some point during history... It's like we lost their hearts. So we have their minds, because intellectually, you're, all the information you would ever want is at your fingertips, right? We've, we've checked the box of our appetites. I was reading a book yesterday, and it was just talking about, I don't think we'll ever in history, the, the glowing rectangles that are our phones or our devices are never going away. And so it, gone in history are the days of really, really bored car trips. I mean, thank goodness, right? But we'll never have just a dark, quiet, unless we purposefully put it into our lives, we're never naturally, now that these growing rectangles are here, we'll never naturally have a dark, quiet moment on accident, unless it goes dead or we leave it at home or, you know. Um, you know, that's, that's me too. But I, I think about the kind of generation that we, that we see coming up, and this does it is not a blank. I used to be a youth pastor. I love students. I love their influence on society. I love their energy. I love how they serve Jesus. But I want you to know, like, as we, as we raise this next generation, as we see this next generation, and my generation was included in this, this tech, you know, kind of not born with it in your hand, but born knowing how to use it, we seem to be losing their hearts C.S. Lewis, in a book from The Abolition of Man, uh, says a strange phrase about men without chests. And what he's talking about, he's talking about mankind, men and women who are raised without hearts. And he says this in that book, Such is the tragic comedy of our situation. We continue to clamor for those very qualities we are rendering impossible. You can hardly open a periodical without coming across, coming across the statement that our civilization needs, that what our civilization needs is more drive, more dynamism, more self-sacrifice or creativity. But in a sort of ghastly simplicity, we remove the organ, the heart, and demand still its function. We make men without chests, or men and women without hearts, and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. 
We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. The geldings means some, an animal that's castrated. Be fruitful. And so C.S. Lewis kind of puts the nail on the head, which is the opposite of what we want to do in, in allowing the Bible and allowing the Holy Spirit to reform us. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. I think that's the answer to what C.S. Lewis was saying decades and decades ago. The answer is hidden, or pretty open and obvious. You guys underlined it in Titus 2, 12. Let's look at what these mean. Self-control, when we think about self-control at Cap City, we're thinking about having wisdom towards ourselves. Some of you may have seen this or heard this a little bit. Tim actually preached this maybe the first or second month of Cap City. Self-control, meaning wisdom towards ourselves. How do you have wisdom toward yourself? Will you understand that you aren't the center of history? You understand that you are getting to be a part as a believer of God's story. I think we forget this, right? I forget this every day. I want to forget this this afternoon when I go home and I'm thinking, me, 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 how do I rest? we, We think we're the center of the story. There's whole forums online, like, I am the king of the world, like, hashtag, or there's a slash, and it, you can watch all these stories of people just doing and being and saying self-centered things, because it's an epidemic in our society. It's all about me, me, me. It's, it's, it's how can I get more attention on me? But when you have a biblical worldview, you realize that you're a part of this narrative, that goes from Genesis to Revelation, you are a part of this historical thread that is God's story. So wisdom towards ourselves, viewing ourselves as a part of that story through having a worldview that is biblical, having a worldview, that means you have to be a devoted learner to the Bible. Don't miss that. You have to be a devoted learner to the Bible. These are not in your notes, so I would flip over. I left you a blank page on the back. Righteously. Righteously meaning that there's justice towards our neighbors. Our horizontal relationships, our horizontal relationships are just and righteous and and not self-focused and not self-determined, but they're thinking first of others. You know, in our society, we see this kind of epidemic of depression and suicidal thoughts and self-harm and and it, it, it comes a lot of times. Sometimes it's definitely chemical, but sometimes it comes from just being so inwardly focused and not outwardly focused. That's one of my biggest prayers. Let me think of others first. Because it's, it's such a, it's, it's almost you get caught in this feedback loop. It starts to echo when you can only think about yourself. And I'm just preaching to myself this morning. I'm glad you guys are here to listen, but <laughs> this room could be blank with just a bunch of mirrors sitting in the seats. Righteously, justice towards our neighbor, and this results in a missional mindset. As a faithful neighbor, you're, if you're starting to think out, and you're starting to think outside of who I am, guess what? You get, to, you get the unique pleasure of not having to focus on you and your problems and what's going on. You can be a faithful neighbor, and that's going to lend itself to you going, you know what? If I'm a believer, I'm going to share this. I'm not just going to keep this. I'm going to share the good news of the gospel with others. And then godly is that last one. Reverence towards God, pursuing a real relationship with Jesus. We like to call this at Cap City, you're a sincere worshiper. 
that doesn't mean just musical worship. That means worship with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That means with your time and your resources. That means you worship with all that you are as, a, as someone who lives a godly life. It's not behavior modification. It's you actually have a real love relationship and you just want to do out of the outflow of what he has done for you. This is huge. It's simple, right? It's simplistic almost, but it's, we forget it. I don't do things for my wife or not do things that she doesn't want me to do just because she tells me. I'm actually pretty bad about that. Like, I don't like to be told what to do. Go figure. But what, what's so amazing is that when I am thinking about her and I'm, I'm doing stuff that I know she would want, I've been terrible, by the way, about buying, like, I love gadgets and electronics, and all through our marriage, I've had to learn over and over, she does not care about that and does not want me to buy her gadgets or electronics. And every once in a while, I'll forget again, and I'll buy her something, and she's like, oh, thanks, I'll learn how to use this new thing that you bought me that I didn't really want, um, I just wanted to go out to eat. So anyway, I don't, I try not to do those things because I... I try to do things that I know that she would love. It's the same with that God, that reverence towards God, that real relationship, being a sincere worshiper. So the grace of God gives us blessed hope through redeeming us, reforming us, and last but not least, through rewarding us. So we've looked at past. We're looking at, we just got done looking at our present, how it should impact our present. And then the future rewarding us. Titus 2.13. This is my favorite, y'all. Hang on, I'll try not, I got six, four minutes left I gave myself, but Titus 2.13, here it is, waiting for our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope according to the scripture? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, I just get chills talking about it because I look forward to it. I think it's around the corner. I think, I, I'm a futurist, I'll say it this way. I'm a futurist. I like to look forward to the future. Maybe that's why, I, I, instead of calling me a spoiler, just call me a futurist. Oh, he's just, a, he's just looking forward to it. He's excited. He overshared. I'm still making excuses. I'm sorry. But I look at the future and I look at what's to come in our world and how history unfolds. And I just, I think things like sci-fi and fantasy, and I'm nerding out here for a second, but I think things like Star Trek and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and I think all of that is just a shadow of there's eternity set in our hearts, Scripture tells us, right? I wonder, and this is just speculation, but I wonder if we look forward to those things as God, God has given us those things to look forward to because that might be a part of our glorious future. When Jesus comes, makes a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, which has got like 1,500 mile square cube that is in geosynchronous orbit with the earth. Y'all read it in Revelation 21, 22. I'm telling you, it's incredible, and it sounds pretty sci-fi to me. <laughs> but I, I truly believe that we can look forward to, when we see this world seems to be falling apart. One of my favorite radio hosts um, says, it's not falling apart. God's plan is falling into place truly believe 
that that glorious appearing is to come and is coming soon. There's some speculation about the glorious appearing's timing. We won't get into that this morning. We, I'm actually getting into it. We have an intro to eschatology class that we're doing for the academy, and we're going to dive in. Really looking forward to that. But there, there's, some, there's some speculation about that, but that what we can all agree on is the fact that Jesus really is coming. That Jesus really does come to take back over what he already owned, kicking out the bad renters, and setting up as the owner, the landlord of creation. And guess what? I think, I think that even though there's some speculation about the timing, even Paul in the New Testament, he was having to kind of combat some time, some, he was having to kind of combat some, some teaching out there that the glorious appearing had already come. Jesus had already shown up, he's already taken his people, and you missed it. And this is back when he's, when he's sending letters to the church at Thessalonica, early church. And he stops that by saying this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from, a, from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead and Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Paul's teaching that this time is coming. We are really, really, really looking forward to a glorious appearing, a blessed hope that is going to make all this just a facsimile. And that doesn't mean we don't live life and continue to let the Holy Spirit reform us, that we don't accept the Redeemer. But it does teach us that we can look forward because the grace of God gives us blessed hope. Can you imagine that for a Christian, this is as bad as ever ever gets? Can you really imagine that? And this is, we've got it pretty good in Topeka, Kansas. Even the poorest among us. But I'm, I, when I just think about that, the, the idea that this is possibly the worst it could ever get. You know, I think about that blessed hope. And I, ex, I get excited knowing <laughs> that Jesus wins. So the question is, are you being, have you been redeemed? Are you being reformed? Do you look forward to a reward? Or when I start talking about end time stuff, you're like, Aaron, you're crazy and you're scaring me. I might be crazy. You might be right about that. But if it's scaring you, why? Have you had that moment where you've accepted Christ? Have you had that moment where he's redeemed you? Because we all know we're sinners. And I, I think about that and I think, have you had that moment where you're like, I'm embarking on this relationship with him. I want to fall in love with Jesus Christ. You know what's beautiful about that? The good news of the gospel is that it's simple. It's like accepting a, cry, uh, like accepting a Christmas present on Christmas morning. What do you have to do? You have to reach out and accept it, right? You don't have to do anything else to earn it. It's just that simple. To say, Jesus, you know what? I am a sinner. I can't do this anymore on my own. I turn from all my ways. I pray you'll forgive me for my sin. I pray you'll take over my life. And then that's where the redemption happens. So that's the first question. The second question as we close is, believers, are you in a relationship that's allowing you to be reformed by who Jesus is? 
Are you a functioning, growing disciple? Are you self-control, living righteously and godly? And we know that those aren't just, those are, you can read those simply, but there's a deeper meaning to it. You wrote those down. Ask yourself that question and know that Jesus wins and he would love to have you as a part of that journey. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all you're doing. I thank you that you've made salvation so simple. I thank you that once salvation happens, you reform us. This isn't behavior modification. This isn't us just trying to be good. This is you, through your Spirit, making us more like you. So Father, I pray for those in this room that haven't embarked on that relationship yet. Even maybe while I'm talking or sometime in the next few moments that they just pray to you and say, I can't do it anymore on my own. Forgive me of my sins and take control of my life. Father, we thank you that the gospel is that simple, that you take us as we are, yet you don't leave us that way. We pray, Father, for the believers, the disciples at Cap City Church to to lead self-controlled, righteous, and godly lives. And we thank you that we get to look forward to the blessed hope that is your glorious appearing, Jesus. And we pray that you come soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm Danny Woodard, an elder here at Cap City, and I'll be guiding us through uh, communion service this morning. And, and how that communion just ties in with the message titled Blessed Hope. And communion is that reminder. We remember the blessed hope. So as you came in this morning, you probably received one of these. If you did not, uh, there's some back on that table back there. Or hold up your hand, and we'll have somebody bring you one. If you're new to Cap City, we do uh, communion together uh, first of every month. There's one clear over here. We do the communion first Sunday of every month. And so uh, today's the first of September, so we're, we're doing communion. So brothers and sisters, we welcome to the Lord's table for communion all who are baptized and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are invited to join in this meal. We come to the table not just as individuals, but as a community. And that's what makes this so wonderful. We get to do this together. By sharing the loaf and the cup, Christ makes us one with him and with each other. So let's sit with Christ at the table and let me pray. Father, it is with joy that we praise you because you have created heaven and earth, made us in your image and kept covenant with us even when we fell into sin. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who by his life, death, and resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And because of this, we join our voices with all saints and angels and the whole creation to proclaim the glory of the Lord, your name. Amen. Since we'll be taking communion together, let's also together respond with a declaration together with joy with praise gracious father for you have created heaven and earth made us in your image kept a covenant with us even when you fell into sin we give you thanks for jesus christ our lord 
by whose grace we may triumph over temptation, be more fervent in prayer, more generous in love. Therefore, we join our voices with all the saints and angels in the world proclaim the glory of your name. We give thanks to God the Father that our Savior, Jesus Christ, before he suffered, gave us this memorial sacrifice until he comes again. At the Last Supper, the Lord took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it. So take the bread. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper, and he said, take this cup. This is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray again. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the world. In the joy of his resurrection and in his expectation of his coming again, we ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifice. Amen. So therefore, together, let us proclaim our faith as signed and sealed at the cross at this table. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Amazing love that welcomes me. The kindness of mercy that all with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving God you're so
Singing church. Thank you, worship team. Just a couple of things before we do our benediction. Uh, next welcome lunch is this coming Sunday, September 10th. It's an opportunity to learn about more about Cap City from one of our elders. A meal and child care are provided. Um, you can use this QR code to register or just stop by the Discover table over there and sign up so we know you're coming. Cap City, it's been a pleasure this morning. Thanks for uh, allowing me to preach the word to you and 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 the word preached itself to me, and uh, uh, that's part of it, huh? Let's do our benediction, and the benediction is this. May we live this week self-controlled, upright, and godly lives, looking forward to the glorious appearing when we who are alive will be caught up together in the clouds to be with Him forever. Now go in grace and peace. You are dismissed. <laughs>